hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show. Everybody on the network now. Love it. Hey, don't forget, coming up Wednesday night, we're back out on the road. The Bill Michaels Huddle. We're at Bullwinkles in Brookfield. Now, the old location no longer there. They knocked that thing over as uh, they're building a massive complex on the corner of Barker and Blue Mound Road. But Bullwinkles is in the old Mama Mia's down behind Cops in the Galleria down there. So we're going to the new Bullwinkles coming up Wednesday night. We're going to be there. So look for us. Come on out and say hello. Looking forward to seeing the new place. I have yet to go in there since they uh, since they moved. They just opened up, I guess, I don't know, about a few months ago. But uh, just been so damn busy and haven't had a chance to get over there. But it's the new Bullwinkles, not the old one, the new Bullwinkles at the Galleria. And uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing the new place. Looks like the the building itself, the patio, everything outside, really, really nice. So going to the new Bullwinkles coming up on Wednesday night. And that is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. They are the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, breaking it all down, joining us now on the hotline. And, uh, Eric, let me start out by asking, why in the hell did they run nothing but shotgun? Very few snaps under center after they fumbled away the football. I I, I can't – I have no, no answer for that. I, I don't understand the play calling. I think uh, we, we saw it. it go back to the NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay when Aaron Jones fumbled, the playoff game last year against Mercedes Lewis when he ended up fumbling, and then this game in Tampa Bay with the drive going on and then Aaron Jones fumbles, and it seems like after that the play calling goes into a shell. I can't figure it out for the life of me. I, that's, that's a, I, I don't know either. I would think, I mean, okay, so – you know me. I'm a ground and pound. I like keeping the ball on the ground. That you know what? We got a lead. Let's grind it out, right? Let's just stand yep. back there. We'll put two backs in the backfield um, and just hand the ball off, and you're going to stop us. We're going to sweep you. We're going to power you. We're going to run uh, counters, and we're going to run on third and four. We're going to run play action pass. But you got to stop us. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. It's, I've never been in their coach's room, and I, you know, to, to to understand that. But a lot of times, this I know this about offensive coordinators is they outthink themselves more than defensive coordinators outthink them. Right. That's yeah. All no, I I, 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 I I get it. I just I I wish somebody. You're, you're never going to get a straight answer out of Matt Lafleur, but I just cannot fathom why they take away that aspect, that extra little dynamic of their offense because they just want to go shotgun all the time. All the time. I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. All right, let's talk a little bit of defensively speaking because this team, I thought, played extremely well. Even after Jair Alexander went down, they were able to pick up where they left off. And for as much as we talk about the lack of scoring and the lack of offense and such, boy, the defense played their asses off. A D-line was something yesterday, huh? I mean, yep. seriously? That was Starts with Kenny Clark. Of a performance. Absolutely. And don't don't forget Jaron Reed and uh, Dean Lowry. Both of those guys held the point of attack um, very good. And, what, you know, one of the things that's been kind of a bugaboo for years has been the, on the edge. Um, but you talk about Smith and um, Gary being able to, to hold, to set the edge and let, make things. I mean, you don't have to worry about the edge a whole lot with uh, Fournette anyway. 
But the guy had 12 carries for 35 yards. And if you watch that game, they they really shut it down. They forced uh, Tampa Bay to have to throw the ball. They, you know, that there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If Tampa Bay was going to move the football, they had to do it on the arm of uh, of Tom Brady. So they made him a one-dimensional football team just by uh, the, the way that they played up front. And they got after the passer from the uh, from the guys with the hands in the dirt. Um, so I, you know, heck, Jaron Reed got some push. Uh, of course, Clark did with, with, with his uh, pressure on the quarterback. They didn't have to blitz. Although they blitzed a lot, they didn't have to do it to get to the quarterback. It was, I thought, best defensive performance as far as the front seven goes probably sometime. The last drive, and I was trying to explain this, it wasn't necessarily a big-time prevent defense. It's just you're just trying not to make a mistake and to try to keep everything in front of you. Now, I thought that, for the most part, the first drive of the game and that last drive of the game were probably the two worst-handled defensive drives that the Packers have had or that the Packers had in that contest. But I understand they're trying to keep everything in front of them and not allowing them or not trying to make a mistake to allow them to score. However, again, that soft, preventative defense doesn't necessarily pan out. Well... You know, and you, you, at that point in time, you're hoping that you you get to the quarterback with the brush, um, and and a lot of things. This so everybody asks me all the time, why do they do this? Why do they do it? Because it's a heck of a. It's pretty easy to move the ball from the twenty to the twenty, right? You've got a lot of room to pass. You can run guys all over a bit. Once you get inside the twenty, that field is pretty short. And when you get every every yard, you get closer to the end zone. That field is pretty short you got seven or eight guys back there or six guys depending on how you're playing that are packed in there and you got a not a whole lot of range for people to go around so you if you have a level of success that you got to feel good about that they gotta they gotta navigate through all these trees and you know what they it doesn't always work <laughs> it's easier to play defense out from the 20 than it is from the 20 going in from the and from the 20 going out because it's really hard um because you got a lot of space, and you and you got to try to figure out how to fill all those gaps. The the defense I thought played well, but specifically after Jair Alexander went down, the secondary really didn't blink yesterday. Even without Jair in the field, I thought Rasul Douglas he had a couple of moments that weren't great, but I thought overall played well. I thought Rudy Ford had his moments in special teams yesterday. I, I think there was a lot of good, especially in the secondary. I, granted, the pressure up front was good, and that always has something to do with it, but I thought the secondary played really well. Yeah, you know, and they play. They played a lot more man yesterday than they played in a while, and some of that is because you know you got they were pretty depleted there. Uh, but they also made the decision that they wanted to um, they sent a backer. I mean, they sent Quay Walker very, very uh, um, frequently, and so they were playing some man behind it, or in some cases they played some zone too. So that was it was you know it was a situation where those the guys in the secondary. Let's face it, they're their wide receivers weren't very skilled. So if there was ever a game that you could be down a guy, they could have lost probably another guy and been okay. Uh, but, they, but admirably, they came up and filled in the run. They, You know, you said, hey, let's keep everything in front of us. And that's what they did. They caught the ball and tackled him. I mean, you just got to tackle. You can't, every ball can't be can't be defected or deflected, and every ball can't be picked. But every ball can be tackled. And that's they did what they were supposed to do. I thought it was pretty good. How much better are special teams? 
boy, kind of night and day from the preseason, right? You know, they right. added some folks, and, you know, that Rudy Ford, boy, he seems to like to get down the field, and they showed their discipline. But I guess, you know, punting, you never really get too excited about the punter, right? But you know what? They got him dialed in, and some of that is <clears throat> is coaching and them having him um, doing what they want him to do. And I thought they kicked the ball and kick off into the corner uh, a couple of times. That's that's pretty nice to be able to say, all right, we're, we want you to return it, but we're only gonna, we're going to give you the ball between the sideline and the numbers. Good luck, you know. And that was pretty good stuff. I I really, you know, you don't get to again, you don't get a whole lot excited about kickoff and punts, but. There are some things there to feel good about. Yeah, I thought, because uh, I saw some people say, well, Mason Crosby can't kick it into the end zone. And I said, well, wait a minute. He's kick, He's directionally kicking, and he damn near put it on top of the pylon. So I thought well, overall it was he did exactly what they were asking him to do. They were moving the ball around, and then when he wanted to kick it out of the end zone, he kicked it out of the end zone. They had a couple of touchbacks yesterday as well. So I didn't think it was a bad day overall, kicking-wise and special teams. No, you want to kick the ball. It's like cornering a rat, right? You kick that ball down right. there by the, you know, inside the five-yard line between the numbers and the sideline. There's not a lot of place to go. So it really helps your coverage team to be able to kind of squeeze them into that corner. And, you know, worst-case scenario, you run out of bounds. Best-case scenario, you, you, you get them to fumble or something. But, you know, I, I really, you know, that's an art of football that I think a lot of people miss is being able to put that ball in between the number and the sideline deep. And, you know, it takes, you got to, A, you got to have a guy that can do it. B, you got to have a coach that's going to teach it. So, I mean, because there is a place for it in football. It's not just kicking it out of the end zone or kicking it up straight up in the air so that they can fair catch it. Let's, let's let those guys have the ball and we're going to have at it. Let's tackle them. Let's get fumbles. That's where big plays happen on, in, uh, on the return or the kickoff coverage teams. So, you know, it's part of football. That's, you know, sadly, it's, it's a part of football that we all, that's when we go use the restroom or go to the refrigerator. You know, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. And if you watch closely, there's usually a lot of guys getting worked up pretty good. It's good stuff. Talking with Eric Branchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, breaking down yesterday's contest. Packers get a win 14-12 to over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bakhtiari ended up playing uh, 35, I think, of the 62 snaps that he was eligible to play, and I thought did a pretty good job. So when he finally comes back, how's that offensive line going to look in your eyes, do you think? Boy, you know, that's funny that you mentioned that because I've been thinking about that this morning. What are you going to do with Diamond? You know, it's nice to have a guy that you can float around and feel good about having in a backup spot. But I tell you what, I don't know if there's not some way to get him on the field. You know, I, I really think he's, he's playing pretty good football. And uh, they put a lot of time developing him. And I think it would be almost a sad thing to say, all right, you're back on the bench and you don't get to play much except for on specials. So, I don't know. I don't know if, if they slide him to right guard or if they feel good about Elton Jenkins. Because, I mean, where Elton Jenkins really excelled was that guard. Maybe that's in the long run that's where he goes and Diamond goes to the right tackle at some point. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't talk to those guys, and they don't talk to me, that's for sure. Um, all you can do is look. But I just think it would be a hard time to put Diamond on the shelf. Don't you? I, I do, and when you bring up Elton Jenkins going back to guard, now the question becomes, does he, for the money, 
I mean, I, I would assume he does not want to go back to guard. If anything, he wanted to play some more tackle and, and continue to watch his stock rise and, and get that bigger payday as a right and or left tackle. So, I, I, I'm boy, it'd be tough to convince, you know, Elton Jenkins to go back to guard, wouldn't it? I don't know. I mean, when he was at guard, boy, the way that the way they're run blocking right now, him and Myers teamed up next to each other would really be something pretty cool. Those guys are, um, you know what? Maybe physically he's not ready to play guard either. You know, because they asked their guards to move around a little bit, and he might not be there right now after the injury. And he needs another year before he's really because it's not physically; it's mentally, right? When you guys coming back from ACL. He might might not be ready, but man, I don't know. I, I don't know if Nyman can play guard, but or if you want him to play guard. But I I just think it'd be hard to put him on the. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, you know, granted, you know, money for guards is going up, but you still make your money playing tackle. And I can't imagine that uh, any one of the, either one of those guys want to go become a full time guard all over again. Then again, the more you play, the more opportunities you get to get looked at and who knows if injuries come along the way where you're going to be doing uh, even more but then again the versatility factor in all of this that you can play in different areas that you can play guard you can play tackle you can play other areas that also can be beneficial to a contract so who knows before it's all said now give me your thoughts on josh myers at center because i thought he gave up a couple pressures yesterday up the gut yeah there there seems to be some communication issues up there (laughs) <laughs> a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I'll take him in the running game over just about anybody. Um, not only are there very few centers that they, that teams pull centers because they're normally not very athletic. This is a big man with long arms. He's only in his second year. They got him pulling around the corner, and he is not only just going out there. Like Sometimes you see big guys run around the corner, and they go and fall down or maybe try and get some of his way. He is, he is engaging. Um I really like the way he comes up to the second level and gets linebackers when they're asking him to. Um, but I, I, yeah, the past the past game probably gonna have a little bit to polish up on there a little bit. But um, I, I tell you what, with the, with the way the Packers have to play right now, I would give him up in the run game for for all the tea in China. He is good. The uh, the Romeo Dobbs, eight catches yesterday, eight for eight when it came to targets and receptions. And the one thing that I like about him, and Aaron Rodgers mentioned it after the game, he's plucking them out of the air with his hands. I mean, balls that are that are line drive rockets, he doesn't bring it into his body at all. I mean, it stops in midair when his hands get around it. He seems to be really kind of what they've been needing, what they've been looking for. Christian Watson, not so much. And Romeo Dobbs has really become kind of the, the step-up guy. 73 yards yesterday, nothing huge, a 21-yard reception and a touchdown. But give me your thoughts on Romeo Dobbs and his progression. Oh, man. You said it there. All, all the, the speed, the hands, those are things that everybody can do. I mean, you either can catch or you can't, or you can run or you can't. You can, but the part that is really intriguing for me and has really kind of opened my eyes a little bit is the way that he, like you said, he's developed is some guys just don't get it. And, and they have all the speed and they can catch their, you know, they can do all of those physical attributes, but they don't have what it takes upstairs to make sure that they are doing the right thing, making sure that they're seeing the same thing the quarterback sees and turning the right way when they're supposed to turn. So instead of an, oh, I got to turn in because this is, I got a safety coming 
from the outside. I got to go in here. I got cover two. I got to make sure I turn this skinny. And you see a lot of times, especially with young guys, that the balls are missing them by a great distance. Generally speaking, that's not because the quarterback's bad. It's normally because the wide receiver hasn't figured it out and where he needs to be. And you saw it in the first two games with Romeo Dobbs. The first game turns the wrong way, and uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't go back to him for a while. And then you saw against the Bears where he didn't get his head around fast enough. The ball comes out, and the ball is in his lap before he even knows what's going on. But you didn't see that. So you're seeing the progression of a wide receiver who's a rookie and making those things. Now, the next thing that he would have to do, and, and this is the hard part, is if you watch Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams is a magician with how he puts his hands up at the last second to get the ball, or he leans into the guy and then turns and because the ball's floating towards the sideline, he'll lean into the guy towards the middle part of the field and then be able to create space so he's got space to catch the ball on the sideline. Those are the little things that probably take a little bit more time for a young receiver, but if he can get to that level, then he's going to be special. But right now, the development you've seen with him over the past couple weeks and the preseason, it's really good. It's got to be promised. you got to feel really good about what you got in that young man. Eric, good stuff, man. We will chat again next week. I appreciate it. Oh, man, sounds good. I hope uh, hope you had a good time, and thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely, pal. Talk to you soon. Eric Baranchek of the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us for a couple of minutes at Eric Baranchek 1, at Eric Baranchek 1. You can find him over on Twitter. Brought to you by our good friends over there, Growth Law Firm. Growth Law, supporting and sponsoring Wisconsin motorcyclists for over 11 years now. They take care of life's difficulties. When you're concentrating on just getting back on the open road, and don't forget to name one of the nation's top 20 best motorcycle injury attorneys uh, by Biker Justice USA with thousands of miles ridden by their staff, their riders as well. That's Growth, G-R-O-T-H, GrowthLaw.com. That's GrowthLaw.com. We'll get back to the phone calls when we come back. Got a lot more to get to. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. time of year and i hate to say it i hate to say it because uh i i gotta go through this uh i gotta go through this right now it's not good and that is the end of summer uh the realization because uh this coming weekend we are going to be in lacrosse the next week we are going to be in broqua and you know what that means is that uh when it comes to the weekends not that the weather's going to be spectacular but uh really no time to drop the boat in the water so that means probably tomorrow, unless I get into it today, uh, probably tomorrow i got to get the boat winterized because we're going to get some freezing temperatures coming up, and I'm not going to have happen to me what happened to me last year where uh, the engine went bad. So uh, if you are looking for winterization, if you are looking for storage, how about shrink wrapping as well to keep your boat clean and nice, and that way when you open it up next year, it's the exact same way you put it away. That's our friends at Skipper Buds. Skipper Buds, uh, specifically the one in Pewaukee is the one that I go to. 
But uh, just terrific people out there. Get a hold of Kathy or Ryan in the service department and just say, hey, I heard it on the Bill Michael show. Uh, they got some deals going on right now, but uh, they got storage as well. But get a hold of my friends at Skipper Buds. Uh, just simply call them, 262-544-1200. 262-544-1200. You want to get it winterized. Here in the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some temperatures overnight that could be in the freezing uh, freezing mark. And God knows you don't want an engine to blow. Oof, not at all. Get it out of the water. Get it to them, 262-544-1200. Get a hold of Kathy or Ryan back in service. Or call my buddy Todd if you're looking for maybe a year-end deal on a boat. Uh, get a hold of Todd. But it's time to get to get the boat to Skipper Buds. And that means it's going to get out of the driveway. And so the RV is gone. The boat will be gone. I sold my motorcycle trailer. I'm going to be in the market for a new one um, probably next year. So I'm going to get rid of the motorcycle trailer. So there's nothing left in my driveway other than my, my car or the truck. Uh, but uh, my car's in the garage. So I, I've got, you know, it's really weird to look at my driveway and not see anything in it. But uh, but that's the way it is. So get the Skipper Buds at 262-544-1200. Again, 262-544-1200 and see it for yourself. So there you go. Uh, a couple of things to get to. This one's from Jimmy. Jimmy says, uh, hey, unit, uh, the Badgers absolutely stunk. Uh, what do you think of C.J. Stroud now? Well, wh- again, one game does not make a career. But I, I'll give you this. I'll say this. Um, I, he's he's really good. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. C.J. Stroud is really solid. I think he was 8 for 8 or 9 for 9 early on in that ball game. He had not thrown an incomplete pass. And, uh, boy, it was a shame Cundiff went down. Not just because of the fact that, you know, it wasn't like I thought Cundiff was going to be the difference maker and he was going to be the guy that, you know, put him over the top and they lost the game because Cundiff went down. But it was just a shame to see him go down like that because he was in some excruciating pain. Uh, But good to see the team rally around him. I I love it when that kind of stuff happens. Uh, but you hate to see it happen to begin with. So best uh, best of wishes to him. I think he's got a uh, – Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, a, a broken lower leg, right? Like uh, uh, it cracked his leg. I think he, you could even read his lips that he said he heard something snap. Yeah, it looked like the ankle, but it's not yeah. confirmed yet. So, well, it was uh, it was ugly, whatever it was. And you could kind of tell just by the way everything bent that something – it was excruciating to watch him there on the turf. And uh, the other aspect of that is that I know it was, what, a 16 or 19-point spread, and I thought for sure that the Badgers would cover, and they didn't, and I owe Pac fan 100 bucks. So, And I saw him tweet earlier, and I haven't paid attention over on the, uh, the Bud Light live streamer. I saw him post earlier about sending the money to charity. Pac fan, you let me know what charity, and I'll be happy to do it. I cannot believe that the Badgers got their ass kicked that bad. I'm just um, – and I was – I didn't tweet a lot – on Saturday, but I, for the first time this season, I lit the fire in the fireplace, threw the feet up on the coffee table, sat back, sat back on a Saturday night. We didn't go out. Um, we just, it didn't, it was our first real week at home. We've been traveling a lot, Kristen and I. So uh, she threw her, you know, warm jammies on and a cover on the couch and I threw my feet up and I was doing a little bit of work. And I thought, you know, I'll just sit there and maybe tweet a few times. And then it would, it just became embarrassing. It was just a bad game. And, and I don't mean to disparage, you know, guys that are in college and such. But at this point in time, we're talking about NIL deals and guys getting paid. So I really don't care anymore. Um, because it was just, it was a terrible game. Ben, we have not even touched base on your thoughts yet. Now, again, you were on the road. You were in Michigan in the big house to see uh, the Michigan Wolverines barely eke past Maryland. 
But uh, did you did you catch the Badger game Saturday night? Oh yeah, I made sure during that trip I was able to carve out time. Uh, first of all, Maryland looks pretty good. Uh, their yeah. trip to Camp Randall could be interesting in November. I don't know. It is very disheartening that they didn't even put up a fight. That game was over as they kicked the ball off. It felt like I I hoped at least I held out some glass half full hope that it would be a game in the second half somehow. But listen, Graham Mertz didn't play well. The offense wasn't effective. But the bigger story to me about this game is uh, the defense fell flat. And if you're Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and you pride yourself on winning the line of scrimmage, a tough defense, not only did you get pushed around at every level, zero tackles for loss all game, but the, the the linebackers, the corners, the team couldn't tackle. And that's the most disheartening thing when I look forward to see what this team actually could be against a not Ohio State team. Like They couldn't wrap up. They got a couple third downs. They had chances to uh, make it not as bad as it became, but none of them could finish a play. And uh, the defense looked horrific, and that's the biggest thing. I come away. It's C.J. Stroud. He's amazing. I just The defense has to turn it around instantly, or this could be a long season. What was funny was there was an article that I read, I think it was in covers. Um, it, it talked about how no matter the Wisconsin offense, how bad they are, the Wisconsin defense and Jim Leonard will not allow this team to be embarrassed. But they, they were embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> top to bottom. Top to bottom. It, it, it was an embarrassing loss. Um, now, teams have been embarrassed by Ohio State, but... This is supposed to be the representative of the West. And this is supposed to be a program that's a staunch uh, powerhouse. And it, it, it just, you know, it's it just not. It's just not. Now what do you do? Now, I will say this. The whole thing about academic, we've been down this road with academic standards and getting recruits in and such. You're talking about another half a credit. It's not like we're talking about, you know, you got to be a physicist to to go to, Wisconsin versus a gym teacher to go to Ohio State. That's not what this is. We're talking about an extra credit. It's not a a huge variable. It didn't really become prevalent until Gary Anderson wanted to bitch, whine, and moan about it that all of a sudden everybody started looking over that fence consistently to say, oh, wait a minute. You know, I mean, the, the argument has always been put the fence around Wisconsin, keep the Wisconsin kids here, and then go out and try to find some of the specialty players. Well, it's not that way anymore. You know, you look at teams like Ohio State. Ohio State, the old adage was put the fence around Ohio, keep everybody there, and then find a couple of people. Well, now they're just going anywhere and everywhere. Alabama goes anywhere and everywhere. Some of the bigger programs, yes, I get that. They have won championships. They've got notoriety. They've got cred and cachet. I understand that. But just in looking at some of this, you can't just look at it and go, well, they're just Ohio State. There's nothing we can do. I, I don't buy that anymore. Uh, th- that's that to me is an excuse for for mediocrity or for the acceptance of mediocrity. Um, you know, somebody said to me, "Would you want to see Urban Meyer come to Wisconsin?" Oh God, um, no, I really wouldn't because the guy is a creep. But on the wins and losses side, you would automatically be vaulted into the upper echelon of expectations with coaches. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben. Yeah, I guess. If you had strictly the coaching side of Urban Meyer, strictly the coaching, wins and losses, national titles and such, would you take them? 
He's an okay coach. I don't think he's that great of a X's and O's on field coach. He's not. What he did is he brought SEC recruiting to the Big Ten. So you would hope he could bring it to Wisconsin. But here's the thing, and this is more of a big picture deal and not just with this team this year. Nothing you could do going forward will change the talent gap. The talent gap is only widening. It's across the country with the portal and NIL and everything. Like Ohio State brings in six, five stars a year and then another 10 to 15 four stars. Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. during their best ever recruiting class, uh, I think they had 20% were four and five stars. It's just, it's unrealistic. They're in a recruiting hotbed of Ohio. The brand is national and, you know, they are Ohio State. It's just the state of the sport we're in today. And maybe that's a defeatist attitude, but I, Wisconsin has a lot of things to improve upon. I just don't know if uh, Urban Meyer's not the answer, but I don't know if uh, trying to compare yourself to Ohio State is the most productive way to go about it. I the only reason, and, and let me say this: you th- this goes back to our, our our discussion last week. You know, if it, let, and I'm not saying I'm not. I, let me make this clear: I am not calling for Paul Christ's job. Just so we make that clear, I've never said that on this show. I said wins and losses will ultimately dictate whether or not he stays or goes. We're not there. See how the rest of the season plays out and go from there. I'm not saying that. So everybody over in Wisconsin that's getting all pissed off in their underwear in a bunch, stop it. You're making your own problems right now. you got other things to worry about. But I'm just saying, if it happens, do you go with the big name, who has got a proven track record of winning. And while you're right, he's not the best at X's and O's. What he is one of the best at is the organization. It's putting the right people in place to be successful. He did it at Florida. He did it at Ohio State. Now problems follow him, and you have to understand that. And in today's day and age, don't give me this whole thing, well, I don't want this, we got this credibility. My ass, you're paying players now. Stop it. This is all about wins and losses. No longer is it just strictly amateur athletics. Stop it. You're in the pros now. This whole thing about coaches saying, well, you can't yell at these kids. They're not professionals. They're not getting paid. Stop it. It's a lie. You are. So let's get over that. So do you go with a guy like that who's got a proven track record who immediately puts you on the national map recruiting-wise? Or would you go in the opposite direction Say a guy like Lance Leipold, who has had nothing but success from UW-Whitewater to Buffalo to Kansas, do you go in that direction for a guy who has built up programs, knows how to do it, but does not have the national name, but has shown the propensity to be able to build programs? Which way would you go? Easily the second, easily Leipold, because I don't think Urban Meyer at Wisconsin puts them on the national map. I, Wisconsin, the state itself, is not a hot enough recruiting bed. And you're already in no, the Midwest. I agree with that. You're, you're, you're the little brother, in a way, to Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State and even Penn State when they come out here, and they can get those recruits anyway. So I'd rather have a guy with a proven track record at bad programs or smaller programs of building them up because that's what you need Wisconsin to be at its best. Uh, I think it's an interesting, and I love Lance. I think it's an interesting argument. Because that, that's what was going back and forth on Twitter. And I didn't really dive into that pond, but I thought it was an interesting argument. Because if you want that, good or bad, if you want that notoriety, do you go in that Urban Meyer direction or do you try to go in the opposite direction? Because you're going to, to, whether or not you're going to get set back, you're going to get one good shot at it. Otherwise, you're going to be rebuilding for a while. 
Interesting discussion, though. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Don't forget our friends over there at Forgotten Fire Winery. they got a lot of cool stuff coming up. And they've got uh, the Cougars coming up at Forgotten Fire Winery. Go check out their website for all the entertainment that's coming up. I just saw that uh, this morning when I was on uh, Facebook for a little bit. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com up in Pestigo. If you're heading up into that area, maybe you want to go see the fall colors, great place to go. Otherwise... Ask for it by name. Tonight, tonight is, I'm feeling sushi-esque tonight. I'm doing some sushi tonight. I don't know where. We get a sushi roll or two. And tonight I'm feeling a little forgotten fire winerish. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down and watch the game tonight. I know it's kind of pinky out, but that's not what I am. It, it sounds that way, but it's not. I might even do it down in the bar and have a cigar tonight. I haven't had one in a while. But I might do that this evening and have a bottle of, or at least a couple of glasses of Forgotten Fire Winery and watch the uh, the Cowboy Giants game. I'm looking forward to it tonight. I might even build a fire in the fireplace again this evening. Who knows? But check out uh, over at your local grocery stores, liquor stores, wine stores. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The new Pella door, Pella patio door that I got on Friday. Man, and uh, I've actually, a couple of neighbors came over. They said, what was all the cars and trucks in your driveway? And I showed them, told them. Uh, they followed me on Facebook, so they saw some of the, uh, some of the you know, stuff that you had seen, the pictures that I had taken of the, uh, the television commercial shoot. But uh, the one thing about Pella was the attention to detail. They matched the caulk the caulk of the door to the side of my house and did it and redid it on the door that they had already replaced just to make sure that everything looked fresh and new and was perfect. And uh, I, where I carry uh, the wood in and out, I've got a little trolley that I bring in the firewood with and it had dented the door. It had dented the little uh, beauty ring plate around the base of the door. They replaced that just to make sure everything looked perfect that's how good they are. No money down, no payments, no interest uh, for 24 months. It's going on through the end of the month. So you only have a little bit of time sitting here on the 26th of September through the end of the month. And they've got the best wood warranty in the industry. They can prove it. And as I had mentioned, it is just an awesome, awesome patio door that I just had installed. I love my windows anyway, but the patio door is just absolutely fantastic. Love it. Just it, there's it, now you can actually see out of it. It doesn't have that condensation in the middle and the dirt in the middle and everything, but it just seems like the whole room is now bright and and clear and crisp and it just it's just awesome. So I can't say enough uh, about Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. I can't say thank you enough because I finally I got a great deal on it. I did the deal. I did the uh, uh, well. It was back a while ago when I ordered them, so I got money off but i did a deal on the thing and it was great so thanks to our friends at pella windows and doors and you too can have the same experience go to pella p-e-l-l-a pella wi.com that is pella wi.com go to pella wi.com or call them 855 pella wi that's 855 pella wi uh let's go to frank on the line frank welcome to the program the bill michael show what's going on man hey uh 
unit. I'm a Ohio State alumni, so I'm a pretty rabid fan. And we, um, the Ohio State Alumni Association, the local chapter here, had a watch party down at Third Market. And, you know, we had 40, 50 people there. We, and everybody got there about a half hour before the game. We were talking. And everyone was optimistic and very cautious at the same time about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially after what we saw during the day. I mean, Michigan almost got had by Maryland, and then maybe they should have. And some other games throughout the day, Penn State and stuff. That you know, so we were kind of let's see how this goes, but we were optimistic. So we watched that first quarter, and we frankly were stunned as a group, just looking at each other like, "What in the world is going on here?" Right. And it was, it was like, "Holy smokes!" Uh, I, we were stunned. Did you – let me ask you this, uh, because the offense picking up where they left off against, what was it, uh, Troy or Akron or whoever they had played the week prior to uh, where they scored 70-plus and they went like 7-for-7 seven seven or 8-for-8 eight eight in drives and touchdowns and they picked up where they left off. I never expected that because I thought the defense of Wisconsin would be better. But the way that offense came out firing in all, all cylinders with crossing patterns, down routes, the, running, the uh, capability to run the football – Stroud, I think, is really kind of morphing into a pretty quality quarterback, even though I still don't think he's great. I think he's above, way above average and very, very good. But it, now tell me what the potential is of this team moving forward, do you think? Well, as for the offense continuing, the Toledo Rockets are a lot, they're not Wisconsin. So, right. you know, we put a whooping on them, 77 points, which is kind of embarrassing. But so then Wisconsin, we expected something totally different. And I think this team's better than I thought it was. I think C.J. Stroud took a very big step towards the Heisman on Saturday because he had some pretty gaudy numbers. And he just looked good. And the offense looked good. Our defense, you know, you said it, I said it, everybody said it. You know, it is what it is. So we we got some tests coming up. But, you know, I think that in the end we'll be in Indianapolis – yeah, I, I think uh, they'll be in Indianapolis for sure. I just uh, I wonder where the Achilles heel is right now with Ohio State as they continue to look stronger. And then obviously you start to look forward to the end of the year in that game against Michigan, back at the shoe, because I thought last year Michigan could have got them, and certainly they did. This year you wonder with Michigan having that scare against Maryland, if there's going to be a scare against Ohio State, where is it going to come from? And then ultimately that game, that matchup with Michigan and Harbaugh at the end of the year, does that become a really hard contested game, or does Ohio State just get rolling? Michigan gets a couple of scares, and they just end up getting blown out. I mean, personally, I hope they blow Michigan out, their doors off. But I'll tell you this: Ohio State looks like the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, without a doubt. Yeah, in, you know, there's, in past years, Cooper, you know, we've had come up teams, Michigan State, to name one, but it ain't going to be this year for Michigan State. They're horrible. Yeah, Michigan State's bad. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, and so you know we've had those time come up in games, um, but I just don't see it this year with this club, especially with the East. Maybe Penn State plays their brains out. I don't know, but we'll see. But, but I, I feel pretty confident that Indianapolis, and then we win that game and hit the Final Four. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. He drops off. You get on board, 877-867-1670. Stick around. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up, and it's coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers get a win on the road, 14-12 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs' defense was tough throughout the game, but Green Bay came out with a great game plan at the start. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. If you would have said in the offseason we'd be 2-1 and one after 3 with these two tough road games, I'd say that's probably pretty good, you know, considering that you would expect Minnesota and, and Tampa Bay to be you know, the top, in the top seven teams at the end of the season. So I feel good about that. The Packers' defense able to hold Tom Brady to just one touchdown despite losing Jair Alexander early in the game with a groin injury. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur after the game. I saw him. He was smiles in the locker room, so I hope that's a good sign. But you never know. So we'll see. I don't have any updates for you. I'll have you know, hopefully later in the week. Keyshawn Nixon filled in for Jair, playing Nickelback, recovered a fumble, and made some big plays on special teams. Nixon on what it was like facing Tom Brady in the fourth quarter in 90-degree heat. It was actually stressful, you know? I mean, Brady's Brady human at the end of the day, so we're just going to play ball, they're going to play ball, and we're going we're to take this win. It was ugly, but... Who we want, we're going to go back home with this one. As the game wore on, the Buccaneers' defense got pressure on Aaron Rodgers, who was hit three times and sacked by Tampa's Logan Hall. Head coach Todd Bowles talked about the rookie defensive end out of Houston. You know, he can rush the pass, so he got some pressures, and he's getting back there. The more playing time he gets and the more exposure, the more comfortable he feels. Missing three of his top receivers, 45-year-old Tom Brady had to scramble upfield on third down just to keep a drive alive at the end of the third quarter. I saw a lot of open green grass and no Packers, and I could turn a 40-yard gain into 18 better than anyone in the NFL. So unfortunately, I slid. I broke my knee brace, and, you know, I had to get it on the sideline. But if I'm running it, it's usually not a good thing. That's Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. With the Packers, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Our buddy Joey Albanese closed today, but back at it tomorrow as a good place to go if you're going to get some Italian food in the uh, Waukesha area. Good stuff. Our friends at Albanese's Roadhouse, also a nice sports bar, Dominic Sports Bar and Grill right there. On Blue Mountain Road, right next to Menard. Stop in, tell Joey and the gang we said hi. That's Albanese's Roadhouse. Saw them out there playing bocce ball. The fall leagues are up and running. Maybe they are open today, now that I think about it. Got bocce ball, I think, coming up tonight. So, got some bocce ball happening. Like that. Every now and then, head up there on, uh, like, a Thursday or a Friday. Play a little bocce ball. Not a bad way to go. Uh, Coming up after the top of the hour, we're going to talk with Zach Heilprin and get his thoughts on the game, that Badger game. That happened at the shoe this past weekend. Not a great way to go by the Badgers. Um, still, um, there, there's still a lot to dissect out of that. We'll do that coming up after the top of the hour. Uh, a lot of reaction coming in to our discussion just a little while ago as people over on Twitter said, hey, look, Urban Meyer is still out there. If indeed the Badgers make a move and the season goes south, then would Urban Meyer be a guy that would elevate the program? And that that's a tough one. Because if he comes in with an unblemished personal record, I think it's a no-brainer. But the fact that he had the issues he had in Jacksonville, the video going back to Columbus, Ohio, of him grabbing the crotch of the, the young girl, the fact that he had an assistant on his staff that was a domestic violence a, abuser, basically, uh, the problems he had at Florida, 
you know, when things got out of hand. Uh, some of the blind eyes that were turned to some of the players that were having problems. Specifically, you look at a guy like Aaron Hernandez at the time, you know, that was going through some issues down there. I mean, that program tended to get out of control. Do you, it, the kind of question you have to ask yourself is, do you sell your soul to the devil to put your program back on top? Because that's a guy that organizationally could probably do it. Or at least get you back to that level of prominence to where you have a legitimate shot at getting some of the recruits you haven't gotten in the past. Or do you go the opposite direction to a guy like Lance Leipold, who's built solid programs everywhere he's gone and has had success everywhere he's gone? Do you do that? So uh, it's an interesting discussion. We'll talk with Zach Heilprin about some of that stuff and just get his take on the game at the shoe this past Saturday night as the Buckeyes just kind of throttled the Wisconsin Badgers. Now the Badgers have to clean themselves up, dust themselves off, and get ready for the return of Brett Bielema to Camp Randall. Stay tuned. We got more right after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.